where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of The Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? Last night I dreamed that I was in an old brownstone church groping around in the dark for a light switch. I knew there were people outside in the street. It was in the middle of the night and they couldn't find their way to the church. And so I was searching everywhere for a light and I felt all of these depressions in the wall where a light switch could be maybe should be, but there weren't any. And I felt sad for the people who couldn't find their way in, and I felt hopeful that there was a light here somewhere. And I keep repeating this dream in my mind today of looking for light in a place where there should be light and finding only the depressions of where light could be. I grew up in the Christian church. I've talked about this before on this podcast, so if I'm repeating myself, I'll eagerly accept your grace. My family were Anabaptists, Quakers, Brethren, Mennonites, the early German Reformed Church. In fact, my great time six grandfather was the first German reformed pastor on the books in the United States. He had been exiled from the cathedral at Bern, Switzerland for his radical views on grace, on the divinity of creation, and on the personal relationship between humans and the divine. He did not believe that we needed intercessors, but instead we could trust in our own inner connection to the source of all love. On my mom's side of the family, we were Methodist and brethren and founded the churches in the area where I grew up. The churches were named after our family. They were people who believed in the divine love of community and simplicity and humility. They were people who had a lot of folk magic and traditions that went back thousands of years in their ancestral homes in the Rhine River Valley and the Black Forest of Germany. I spent my life looking for light in the church. As a child, I sat in the pews and asked Jesus to put out the candle flame to prove that he was really there, that he was really as powerful as the pastor said he was. I listened to the sermons on Sundays 
preaching about love, God's unfailing love and forgiveness and hope. I heard the sermons about generosity, about radical forgiveness. And then I heard my Bible school teachers talking about salvation and the one door to heaven being belief in one man who held the entirety of divine creation inside his human body and was brutally murdered by the state and religion, but still held that door open. And he radically forgave the people who murdered him. And he radically loved the people who were murdered alongside him, who had been convicted by the same systems. And then that same Bible school teacher taught me about the sin of disbelief and the place in hell held for those who turn their back on God or who never hear about God or who never are converted to Christianity. And I could not hold those two realities together in my mind. That this man who was called the door, the way, and who loved in the most humiliating and painful circumstances would also represent an institution that would damn people for not going through that one door. It created what I now know is called cognitive dissonance, which was so uncomfortable in my young body and in my young mind that I couldn't believe anything. I couldn't believe any of it. And so I went on a journey. I went on a spiritual walkabout. (laughs) Um, I was Buddhist and I practiced with a Zen teacher for a long time. I read the Tao Te Ching. I practiced martial arts. I became initiated into Wicca and was a priestess of Wicca at the age of 18. I was born with a seeker's heart and I was going to seek. In my 20s, I ended up in a Christian mystical spiritual formation program for spiritual directors and spiritual guides. And I started to read some Christian mysticism. Teresa of Avila, Julian of Norwich, St. Francis of Assisi and Claire of Assisi. Then I read the modern Christian mystics, Andrew Harvey, Richard Rohr, Elia Dalio, Cynthia Bourgeau. And I started to find something, a nugget of truth in the bathwater that I had thrown out. (laughs) I found the baby that was in the bathwater. I found the mystical love that can hold all suffering 
and transform it into new life. I found that at the core of Christianity. And so I tried to be Christian again. I went to a non-denominational Protestant church. I could feel the spirit of love in that place. It moved me. It was one of those places with the band where they sing loudly and everybody puts their hands up and sways and all of that. And I felt moved there. Something, something was alive in that place. And then they gave their sermons on the evils of astrology and the evils of psychics and the evils of gayness. And, the, and they were so worried about evil and condemning people that they took their eye off the one thing we can really focus on, the baby in the bathwater. <laughs> they took their eye off the baby in the bathwater. And so I couldn't stay there. I went to breakfast with a local Christian pastor and asked him to help me because I was grappling so much with this God of my ancestors that I felt calling to me. Um, I have another stream in my family that is Irish Catholic. And they had started to come through in my ancestral work and I was gifted a rosary that is, you know, a hundred years old or more. And I could feel that rosary doing something to me. I started to do the rosary's prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Holy Mary, Mother of God, be with me now and in the hour of my death. Amen. That was the version I prayed, and I prayed it over and over and over, and I made an altar to Mary, and I really tried to find my way in. And then I read The Way of the Rose by Clark Strand and Perdita Finn. And I found the rosary within the rosary. If you haven't read that yet, put it on your list. <laughs> um, they tell the story of how the rosary kept the divine feminine alive during the conquest of the Roman Catholic Church. And I started to find the God of my ancestors inside the church, even more so through that book. And then I started to practice a form of Celtic Christianity. The Celts, um, especially the Irish, were able to hold on to their animist roots and bring in the, the Christian mythos alongside their animism in a way that's very Franciscan or what I recognize as Franciscan. And that felt like home to me. That felt safe to me. And right around that time where I started to get comfortable with my animist version of Celtic Christianity the fundamentalist Christians of this country began to rise up in their, in their hatred. 
and I could not bear it. I couldn't bear holding onto that thread when it was vibrating so violently with hatred. And so I officially put it down and I officially left the church, the church of my ancestors. And I never felt more free. I had been practicing magic and witchcraft all through this renegotiation of my place in the church. Um, I know a lot of people don't believe that Christian witches can exist. They believe that's an oxymoron. That is entirely untrue in my experience. There are plenty of Christian witches. In fact, most Catholics I know are practicing witchcraft. (laughs) You wouldn't want to hear that, but um, even in the non-denominational Protestant church that I was uh, participating in, you know, just 10 years ago, the pastor stood at the front of this high school auditorium and asked the people of the congregation, there were hundreds of them, to come forward and write their suffering on a stone. And he would take those stones to the mighty Susquehanna and release them to the waters to be cleansed and, and for those prayers to be carried to the Holy Spirit. That is witchcraft, my friends. That is ritual. Holy communion is ritual. And so this demonizing and othering that happens in our religions is just taking our eye off the baby in the bathwater. It's a distraction that pulls us away from the one thing that actually matters in all religions. The one thing that would actually change something and make a difference. And that is to love thy neighbor and love thyself. That's it. That is the core that ends suffering. And it's the only place we can't stand to look very long. Because it's so hard for us. Radical love and radical forgiveness makes beautiful stories that feel good on Sunday. But to actually live that way every day is more than most people can bear. And so we go to feel good, to feel uplifted, and to feel safe in the, in the sanctity of the mainstream religion. And then we go back out of the church and we judge and we other and we condemn, and we take our eye off the one thing that could actually change something. And so we grope in the dark. And we find ourselves in darkness where there could be light. And it breaks my heart. And now, you know, after hundreds or thousands of years that my family has devoutly worshipped and dedicated their lives to the God of Abraham, to El, and to his 
begotten offspring, Jesus, I have stepped out of that stream and I have stepped fully into the love that is the source of that stream. Earlier this week, I was sitting with one of our chickens who was dying of an unknown illness. And while I watched life ebb from her, I felt, saw, and experienced every tree, every blade of grass, every bird, insect, bunny in this grove leaning toward her. A blue jay came and sat a few feet in front of her. A catbird sat at the top of her wire pen. Her sister hen came and laid beside her. And I felt everything leaning toward her. Because that reconciling love that is at the heart of the Abrahamic traditions lives inside everything we can see, everything we can hear, everything we can experience it is always here but we just take our eye off it while i was having this experience with duck or chicken her name is duck <laughs> i started to see a flash out of the corner of my right eye and i looked in that direction and there was this blinking light and it was so bright and it just kept blinking in a pattern at me it felt like it was trying to get my attention. It felt sentient. It felt like it was seeing me. And as I moved closer, I saw it was a single water droplet on the edge of a blade of grass in the middle of the sun. It, shouldn't, it should not have been there, but it was. And as it blinked at me, as it saw me, I felt the unwavering presence of the divine seeing me through that drop of water and acknowledging my existence. And I heard Iris of Fire. And that's the name the plants have given me, Eris Piriflorus, Iris of Fire. And in that moment, that water droplet was an Iris of Fire and a blazing eye that could see me and through which I could see the fullness, the bursting completeness of every created thing on this planet and in every place. I will not be taking my, my eye off that baby in the bathwater again. And I don't need the bathwater. <laughs> it's gray water. It can feed the plants. I don't need the church or the institutions or the dogma or the badge of safety of being inside a mainstream religion. I'm very happy here in my sacred grove as a druid witch, a plant witch, learning from the greatest pastors and priestesses of all time, the oak and the willow and the sycamore and the moss and the lichen and the water drop and the chicken. St. Francis said the first Bible was creation. I don't think we ever needed another one.
may we find our way back to love. I'm getting ready to go on an Irish pilgrimage um, in June. We'll be going to Ireland, in Dublin, and Galway, and Inishmore, and Dingle, and the Aran Islands. And in preparation for this pilgrimage, I'm reading the book, The Art of Pilgrimage. And in that book, Philip Cozenu says, Pilgrim, pass by that which you do not love. And I've been repeating that to myself over and over again. Pass by that which you do not love. In another way, he's saying, stay in love. Be in love. I had an experience at Omega Institute in 2009 during a holotropic breathwork session with Dr. Stanislav Grof, where I experienced the opposites, hot and cold, fast and slow, male and female, positive and negative, longing for each other, chasing each other, always separated and always hungry for the other. And that force, that third force that arises that keeps them chasing each other is love. It's unifying. It restores that which has been separated. It's the field of wholeness that keeps the opposite seeking each other. It exists in, around, and through everything that we experience. And it is always there as a field that we can experience, that we can tap into, that we can draw strength from, that can radically transform us. Stay in love. Be in love. Let it reconcile the opposites in you. Let it reconcile the othering that happens in our minds and in our hearts from the fear that we are other. Let it draw us back home to ourselves and to belonging on this beautiful planet. Pass by that which you do not love so that you can stay in love. May it be so. Thank you for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com or on Instagram and Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist.